Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, June 1st edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Bertitas. A ton to get to in this episode, including an interview and conversation I had with Flyers skills coach Angelo Ricci. Uh, fascinating conversation, uh, whether you're just a Flyers fan, uh, whether you're uh, a parent of a player that uh, is trying to develop their skills, whether you're a young player trying to develop your skills, whether you're a squirt, peewee, bantam, midget, junior, college player, whatever it is, beer leaguer, and you want to develop your skills for uh, further, uh, you'll want to hear this conversation with Angelo Ricci. A lot of great information in there. And the one thing that I really took from it, the most important thing that I took from it, and Angelo's worked with some of the greatest players in on the planet when it comes to playing hockey, whether that's with the Flyers and guys like Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Ivan Provorov, uh, Carter Hart, all of those guys, or, or other NHL players like Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Seth Jones, guys that he's worked with for several years in his role as a skills coach and development coordinator uh, throughout his career. And now he's in his first year with the Philadelphia Flyers. He'll tell that story, how he got hired, and much more. So uh, that is coming up in this podcast. Also coming up this week, Chuck Fletcher, Flyers general manager, will have a media availability coming up uh, this afternoon, Monday at 11 a.m. Be interested to hear what the general manager has to say. We're efforting uh, to have Chuck also have a one-on-one conversation with myself uh, for this very podcast on Wednesday's episode. Hopefully that comes to fruition. Uh, so a lot going to be happening this week. We know what happened last week with NHL Commissioner Gary Bett and his announcement of the return to play uh, scenario. So a lot to get into here on this episode, which is brought to you by Yingling Beer. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer, it's a lager. It's time to spread your wings, Yingling traditional lager, and give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer is the handle. Uh, Flyers did make some news this past weekend as well. Had a signing, Linus Hogberg, uh, a defenseman who shoots left-handed, uh, was drafted back in the... Uh, 2016 NHL entry draft in the fifth round, 139th overall by the Philadelphia Flyers. Has been playing in the Swedish Elite League in the Swedish in the, uh, in the SHL, and this past season in 50 games, he had five goals, nine assists, 14 points uh, for the the Vaxo H Vaxo HC team, uh, where he's played for now four or five seasons. And uh, Linus is a, a guy that uh, uh, another defensive prospect for the Flyers. Uh, another guy that Chuck Fletcher gets a deal done during this pause. He has now signed four players, Wade Allison, uh, Tanner Osinski, and Wyatt Wiley. He signed earlier in the pause, and uh, we've had each of those guys on this podcast, as a matter of fact. And if you want to check out uh, the conversations that I had with each of those guys, both all Allison, uh, Tanner Osinski, and Wyatt Wiley, you can go back and check that out in your iTunes queue. All those interviews are there for you. Interesting conversations uh, from the Flyers and future Flyers. Uh, to come. Also, Wyatt Kalinuk has decided not to return to the University of Wisconsin. Tony Granato, the head coach there, announced this past week that he will be turning pro, and we'll see if the Flyers ink him to an entry-level contract as well. So Chuck Fletcher has been very busy during the pause, and he gets another signing done with Linus Hogberg, uh, the Swede, uh, during the break as well. Six-foot defenseman, 176 pounds, and we'll see uh, where he fits into the Flyers' equation coming up uh, during this uh, next year or so uh, with his very, very 
crowded blue line of prospects coming and a lot of young guys already here and performing very well when you look at the likes of Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, Phil Myers, Mark Friedman, uh, Robert Haig, uh, uh, very few veterans on that blue line right now. We're pretty much Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun. Uh, so the Flyers once again adding to that depth with another signing of a drafted player from the 2016 draft in the fifth round with Linus Hogberg. Um, real quick as well, uh, some of the news coming out this weekend in regards to the uh, return to play announcement as we get more further and further further along here with more details. It was announced late last week that July 10th would be the day. We talked about this in our roundtable with Brian Smith and Bill Meltzer on Friday, that January 10th would be the earliest that NHL players uh, would go into Phase 3, which would be their training camp. Uh, Phase 2 is set to kick off uh, this week, uh, at the end of this week, where players can uh, get to their their facilities and work out in small groups of six players uh, without coaches, but just to get back on the ice, got reassimilated to the game and um, testing is one of the things that uh, is the hot button uh, issue that the NHL is uh, dealing with. One of the hurdles they have to overcome to bring this re- return to play scenario to fruition, whether that's in July or August or maybe September, who knows. Uh, but uh, Nick Felino, member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, did say uh, over the weekend that testing is a must because it's the only way we the players are going to know and feel confident every time we step on the ice that everyone is in the same boat as you and you can play the game to the best of your ability. Now, what's one of the things you got to overcome with this Stanley Cup playoffs is you're coming out of a pandemic or you're still in some ways in a pandemic. Uh, that's a distraction. Uh, players, professional athletes like to focus on games and, and, and their preparation of games, but there's going to be an added element to this, which is going to make this Stanley Cup even more unique. It's going to be maybe one that will be uh, have a lot of other distractions, if you will, uh, real-world distractions that players are going to have to deal with. And the first major North American professional sports league uh, was the NHL to announce a format for its return to competition as the comprehensive COVID-19 testing strategy. And they're screening protocols in place, voluntary workouts, and at training camps at the hands of individual teams. So when the Phase 2 uh, and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly also said that the NHL plans to test all players every day when the games start happening. Uh, after training camp, when they report to their hub cities, they'll be testing every day. He did say we'll have a rigorous daily testing protocol where players are tested every evening, and those results are obtained before they would leave their hotel rooms the next morning. So we'll know if they have a positive test and whether the player has to self-quarantine himself as a result of that positive test. Daly went on to say it's expensive, but it's something a foundational element of what we're trying to accomplish. Each test is going to cost roughly $125, the league has said. And Commissioner Gary Bettman estimated 25 to 35,000 tests uh, will be needed to get through the playoffs from the play-in rounds all the way through the handing out of the cup. Uh, a price tag he concedes is in the millions of dollars, uh, and athletes have plenty of concerns about risking their health to get back to work, and regular testing is something that the players insisted on. Now, one of the, 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 the questions that gets brought up when you're talking about that many tests, twenty five to 35,000, is are you taking those tests from the public? Uh, so the NHL Players Association executive director uh, did turn uh, did have some comment on that as well. If you're testing at a sufficient level, you need to be confident that your players uh, know that everybody is clean. Uh, but it, as it goes, an infectious disease expert, uh, Dr. Amish Adaja of John Hopkins University, um, said he's not sure how often players should be tested when they get to that period of time. He said testing in German soccer is going to help other leagues determine the right frequency. Right now, the, like I said, the NHL is planning on doing it daily. So that will depend on the type of quarantine and exposure risk players will have. 
And he also went on to say, quote, we do not know the people have increased contact with each other are going to have more opportunity to spread the virus. Hockey is obviously one of those sports where individuals do have a lot of contact. He said, I would say they're going to have to be more aggressive than other leagues in terms of testing. So if you look at it, something like the PGA, obviously there's not body contact. Uh, in NASCAR, same thing. So the NHL uh, may be doing a daily testing. Bill Daly also said uh, one person, one player or testing positive for the coronavirus would not mean another pause for the NHL league-wide. Testing will be done daily, so that would allow the isolation of an infected player, coach, or staff member before the start of an outbreak. So we'll see how that plays out. And uh, one of the important things for players and and one of the things that they demanded in the return to play would be the fact that uh, they get tested daily and uh, bring up the 25 to 30,000 tests would be um, at that time from what they're hearing from experts and Adagia, the uh, infectious disease experts, is that would be a relatively insignificant number in the amount of tests um, because the public would have the amount of testing they need and the NHL in essence, would not be taking tests away from the general public uh, by returning to play. That's something the players also insisted on. They said, we're not going to take tests away if people can't get tested. That's a non-starter for them. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Some of the other uh, issues that they still have to overcome in the return to play scenario, we'll see if Bill Daly is able and Je- uh, Commissioner Gary Batman are able to, to bridge the gap and get the details worked out. And if they do, Uh, This game will be back on the ice before you know it. It's been a while uh, since the Philadelphia Flyers and the NHL and sports in general have played. I mean, when you look at the calendar, the Flyers played their last game on March 10th, if you can believe that. But uh, so long ago, and just as we sit here uh, today on the 1st of June, I mean, we'd always hope that we'd be doing this podcast on the 1st of June because that would be the Flyers in the Stanley Cup final. As it turns out, the way this is played out uh, is 82 days ago that the Flyers played their last game when the season was paused. Uh, We hope that it's less than 60 days 60, maybe 75 days until the league is back on the ice and the Philadelphia Flyers are competing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Also, um, I had a chance to speak with uh, TSN senior hockey reporter Frank Saravalli, of course, spent time here in Philadelphia covering the Philadelphia Flyers to begin his career. He was on my radio show on Saturday on 97.5 The Fanatic, and he's got a project coming up um, uh, for TSN.ca where uh, he's going to be making the case that Philadelphia, former Philadelphia Flyer player, Tim Kerr belongs in the Hall of Fame, and it's a very interesting case, and we'll get into that on Wednesday's episode, but just a quick little uh, teaser for you. In 11 years with the Flyers, Tim Kerr, and we know that he dealt with some significant injuries to his back and his shoulder, caused him to miss the 87 Stanley Cup Finals against the Edmonton Oilers. That could have been a big difference for the Flyers, but 601 games for the Philadelphia Flyers, 363 goals, 287 assists. 650 points and a plus 93. And one of those years, uh, I mean, he was a guy on the power play that was simply unbelievable. Uh, Power play uh, goals one year, 34 in 1985-86. That's a record that will never be broken. And one of the things Frank cited in making the case that he will do so on uh, on TSN.ca is that Tim Kerr, his numbers are certainly commensurate with Cam Neely, who is in the Hall of Fame. So Tim Kerr perhaps deserves a nod as well. I think we're going to have to take a look at Brian Propp's numbers as well. Uh, but let's get to my conversation right now with Angelo Ricci. Let me tell you that this podcast, Flyers Daily, is brought to you by Yingling Beer. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer. It's a lager. It's a traditional lager, that Yingling Beer on Twitter. 
Here's my conversation with Flyers skills coach, fascinating conversation, Angelo Ricci, right here on Flyers Daily. And joining us right now on Flyers Daily as we get all the information about the return to play for the NHL, Flyers skills coach, Angelo Ricci joins us right now. Ange, how you doing? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. You know, I'm, I think I'm doing as well as anyone can, can be doing right now, but Hopefully some positive news, as you stated a little, with the NHL return to play policies coming in and affect with uh, Commissioner Bettman soon. So that's exciting for a lot of the guys. I know I texted a few of the guys this morning, and a lot of them sounded pretty excited about what's to come. So, Yeah, and there's certainly a feeling in, in all the guys that I've spoken to, coaches, players, everybody, there's a, a big feeling of unfinished business. Um, but but for like how much you know uh, correspondence have you had as a skills coach with the team, you know, it's been difficult for guys, obviously, most guys not on the ice. Uh, most guys, right. you know, just trying to make do and work out and stay in shape the best they can in a really unique circumstance. Yeah, it's been difficult because, like, a lot of guys don't – some don't even have access to, you know, training materials, or some do and some don't. So, it's – you know, I've checked with a lot of the guys and tried to kept up. and, and uh, But it was – March and April, as you know, were pretty uh, – pretty gloom you know it was pretty dark and just no one was feeling too good and I think now guys are starting to get into the groove of working out again and and, and so I've reached out talked with a few guys and, and yeah I've given some guys you know different things and and like uh, I, I think once we really get this next phase coming in here in June it'll really start picking up and then hopefully July you know the coaches because I know like personally none of us myself and our other coaches we can't work with any of the players until I think maybe July I'm not sure but I think that's what it is. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, um, you know, w- with the players, and, and you mentioned that period of time where the, they couldn't do much, it, you know, y- you were a former player. You, you played at a really high level. When you're kind of ramping up your training for a season, it's hard to really ramp it hard if you don't know when or if that's going to be, isn't it? Right. Well, there's no – and you don't know – you know, like, you, you always have a goal, right, in a timeline uh, in training, and, and when you don't know what it could be, could it be never – for the year could it be you know in two months three months so it's hard to even gauge how you train and and mentally it's hard um so i think that's to me that's the mental and emotional side of that is, is probably harder right now um than just the physical aspect because these guys are obviously you know well-trained athletes conditioned athletes and our training staff with oz and dan do an amazing job and, and, and you know then the whole training staff with jimmy and Sal and Saul. but i just think you know it, it's it's the mental side of it is so hard. And even, but, but I think a lot of the guys, you know, I know G- G- Claude was skating with my buddy in Ottawa the other day. He just started skating. Um, Pat Malloy is a friend of mine. He works with a lot of the guys out there. And he, uh, so I know he got back on the ice and, and I don't know any other guys that have been on the ice yet, but I'm sure in the next few weeks as the practice facility opens, guys will be itching to get out there. Yeah. I saw that up in Ottawa and that's where Claude is uh, sitting out the pause. Uh, they, they did open some rinks up there and, and guys were able to get out there in small groups I know Robert Haig spoke to him. He's in Sweden, of course, and they have been able to skate. What kind of what kind of advantage do you look at that, Ange? When you look at guys that have been able to skate, whether they were rehabbing from an injury, because that was one of a, I hate to call it a loophole, but a loophole that they could, you know, rehab right. at the facility and be on the ice, and uh, as opposed to those guys who, when they took off those skates on, on that morning of March 12th, haven't put them back on. Well, there's certainly going to be. Uh... I think the gap closes quickly, you know, because these guys, obviously, it's what they love and they'll get back at it. But I think it's more the cardio, the the, the legs, the heavy legs and that type of stuff. But the, the hand-eye, the skills, the shooting, that stuff will come back after a few days with these guys. But, but definitely a guy like Hager and, and any of the others that have been skating, it certainly helps translate to a smoother transition to get up to speed quicker. But the key is whatever the training camp's going to be, whatever it is, two weeks, 10 days, three weeks, 
it's going to allow every player to get back into shape. And it's almost going to be, to me, it's going to be like the old days, you know, where you used to go to training to camp to get into shape. Now you have to get into shape to go to training camp. So I think that's a little different how times have changed. But so I think it's going to be a little old school that way, uh, you know, where guys aren't going to be in tip top shape like normal uh, and coming back to camp and, and, and they'll have to get obviously up to speed pretty quickly before the games begin. One of the reasons I wanted to speak to you, Angelo, was, was because, you know, you deal with a lot of guys as a skills coach, getting them back ready to play, putting them through the paces. Right. You know, getting guys, you know, back into, quote, unquote, hockey shape. You know, you can be in the greatest shape and you can run a marathon or whatever, but hockey shape is a different ball of wax. Um, how's a coaching staff, you guys handle that um, to push the guys, um, but, you know, and to push through soreness, and you're going to have to do that when you guys are able to convene you know, as, as a group uh, over the couple of weeks. But how, how do you do that? How long does that take? Well, yeah, I mean, you know what is amazing is the technology nowadays that Oz and Dan utilize and, our, and our, uh, all the training coaches and, 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 and AV and, and Yozy and all the coaches, Lappy and Dilly, we all, like they send reports every day to coaches get them. And so I think it helps the ability to raise like the fatigue level of how much you can push a player. But I do think guys are going to be eager to get back. So you know, you got to utilize the scientific information, but you also got to, as a coach, you know, and I'm not speaking of AD, but he has a good pulse on this team and he's an amazing, he's doing an amazing job. And in my mind, like he should be one of the candidates for coach of the year. Like just, and I don't mean that to kiss his ass, but you know, like, excuse my language to kiss his butt, but um, like, you know, it's just, uh, he's done an amazing job of turning around the, the, the team and just the contending position we, we put ourselves in. But I think the key is, you know, the guy's mindset coming in, they know they're going to be pushed. They know they're going to be tired. They know they're going to be fatigued. And then, you know, whether what's going on or not with this pandemic, you're still going to have that in the back of your mind all the time. So there's going to be a lot of emotional stress too, I think just, but I do think the hockey rink coming back, seeing your teammates is sort of like, it's going to be a, it's like, it's like our playground, you know, it's, it's, it's fun time for the guys to get back and, and, and be with each other. Cause this group's pretty, pretty close, man. The camaraderie of the guys and, you know, even with new guys that came in at the trading deadline, like Nate Thompson, you know, and, uh, oh, my God, I just drew a blank. And, Derek uh, Grant. Derek, yeah, Grant. Um, like, they just fit right in. They're great guys. And, and, and the camaraderie, and, and, you know, it starts with our leadership with, with, with G and those guys. They do an amazing job, including everyone. So I know we're pretty excited with, um, you know, the potential where we could be. But, but you're right. I mean, it's it's – you know, AV talked about the pace, and I think you noticed in training camp how his drills are run. So I think even within this, our practices and when Lappy and I and Dilly do some extra stuff with the guys in terms of getting them ready, um, it's how we push them. It's the pace of it. It's the tempo. And that's one thing I've, know, I've learned from Coach AV is just the pace and the tempo he does things with and, and how to translate to help our team. You saw our team throughout the season. I know there were some ups and downs early, but just the way we played, like in, as the game's gone on, we, we, we wore teams down and, you know, in certain periods, we just dominate just because I think we used four lines, um, you know, using all 6D at times. And, and just I think that wears teams down. And it also shows the depth of our team and the confidence the coach has in everyone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that pace that's relentless. And that's what makes you such a, a pain in the rear end to play against, right? You know, a team just, they just keep common, you know? Yeah, but it's a fun way to play. Don't you agree watching it compared to – you know, other teams, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it's fun. It's the way the game should be played. Let the skill and speed take control. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're dictating the terms on the ice way more often than not reacting, which is obviously in the game a huge element of it. Um, when you look right. at the, the situation and, and 
you know, the Flyers aren't just one of those teams that's coming in healthy. You know, guys like James Van Riemsdyk didn't miss, you know, right. team games. And then, you know, Phil Myers was another guy that was dealing with some injuries, Nate Thompson as well. And But you look at other teams, you look at a team like, you know, where you're at right now in Colorado, you know, they're going to get some pretty big guns back. And you look at a team, yep. Columbus going to get Seth Jones back, who has been able to skate. It's going to be a unique playoff, isn't it? Because every team's going to come in probably healthier than they've ever entered a Stanley Cup uh, playoff situation. Healthier and, and fresher and probably hungrier than ever. Because I think this whole situation has made everyone realize how, how much they love this game. You know what I mean? When something's taken from you. And, and so I think that's going to be a, a definite plus. The pace, the energy, the excitement. Yeah, there might not be any fans around, but I still think there's going to be uh, a tremendous amount of intensity and pace when the, when the games come back. And yeah, you're right. I don't think we... We'll have ever seen a playoff, you know, even close to this because every team's banged up and tired and tore or, you know, tired and sore and worn down. But this is going to be a whole next level once the guys get in shape. And I think you're going to see each round and each week pass, the intensity is going to just even get greater and greater and greater. So this could be one of the greatest, like, stretch run of playoffs ever just because of the circumstance and, and how fresh the guys are. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing, it's really interesting because there's going to be teams that went into the, the pause – playing really well. And you guys are one of the teams, the hottest teams in the league, winning nine of your last 10. Um, but there's some teams right. that are going to come out of it and are going to have a, a hard time either recapturing where they were or ramping back up. And there's going to be some teams that weren't playing so good that they're able to push that. But ha- having this coaching staff with, with Mike Yo and Michelle Terrium, Elaine Vigneault, yeah. you know, uh, you know, Ian LaPerriere, all that experience, that's something that can, can really help, can it? Oh, absolutely. When- when your leadership demands a certain standard of excellence and play and commitment to each other, and that's what all those guys have done. I mean, they've all obviously either played or coached at a high level and been very successful. And and I'll tell you what, when, when A.B. speaks and talks, everyone listens just because he's got a presence about him, a swagger, and, and the guys are bought in. So I don't think it's, you know, guys are going to be excited to get back. And, and you know, I, I've obviously, uh, you know, it was my first year working with the team and all these the coaching staff, as everyone is, it was new except Gilly and Laffy pretty much. But, um, you know, we all get along really well, um, help each other because, it's, you know, we all want the same result, right? We want to win a Stanley Cup. So it's about helping each other. You know, myself, just learning from a lot of the guys. Um, it, it helped me uh, become better at what I'm doing. So it, it's really neat to, to learn and trust everyone and, and just see how they go about and be professional every day. Because, like, you know, you hear things about certain, you know, through, you don't even know, right, guys, but you hear so many different things. But when you get in tight and, and, and close and get to know these guys and see what they do and their commitment is amazing. Like the time Yosi and Lappy and, and they, all the coaches put on our video guys, AP and Vinny are amazing, you know, uh, the training staff, like equipment staff, like the hours they put in just to, you know, give these guys every opportunity to have success. It's special to see. So I'm excited, man. Like I, I was excited. This is my first really chance at a Stanley Cup playoff run to even be a small, very small part of it. And, and so I'm looking forward to, you know, whatever that might be when it comes. But I was kind of really down with that because it was I, – I, I felt we had, a, as everyone did, a really good chance to make a deep run in the playoff when, before and, the pause happened. You know, and that's so interesting because, to me, that is the single biggest element. A team that realizes that – especially a team like the Flyers that over the last bunch of years didn't have a lot of success in the playoffs, hasn't won a series since 2012, but all of a sudden has this knowledge – that they can do, they're a team that can do damage come playoff time. And then in this very unique situation, they can, the, the feeling of unfinished business, like, hey, you know, we're really glad it's back because we felt like we could do some damage here. And just because the situation is different in 24 team field and play in and all this, it's no excuse. Right. It's still an opportunity because that, 
big shiny uh, metal Lord Stanley's chalice is still up for grabs. Yeah, you know whatever you want to say. If there's why should there be an asterisk on anything? You know, you've heard different people talk. This is you still have to go to the grind and get back. And to me, this is probably the most extraordinary time to win the cup, just because everything everyone's been through, mentally, physically. I'm sure everyone knows someone who's been involved or sick with COVID, and just to me, it's the whole circumstance. And I think it's going to add so much more. And whoever raises the cup at the end, and hopefully it's the Flyers, is it's going to be something special. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't. You know, there's always people who take the other side, but I just think it's, it, and I think our community and our world needs something like this again. Oh, I um, totally agree. Just to watch and, and just to break the mental side. I mean, you can't turn on the news anymore. You know what I mean? It's just, to me, you saw the golf thing right the other day with Brady and Manning and all the guys and Tiger and Phil. I mean, six million viewers are the last dance with Jordan. People are hungry for the stuff, the UFC stuff a few weeks, a few weeks ago. Like that, it's just, it's amazing what people want and are starving to get. So, it, it, I'm excited for it, man. And I'll tell you what, I know the players are, and I know I talked with, I had Yozy speak to some of my coaches here a couple of weeks ago, and he's just itching. He can't wait to get back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it just, he's so, you guys are bored, you know, like you just want to get back to work. And just a guy who, played... I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, guys are such a creature of habit. You know what I mean? At the pro level, like coaches oh, yeah. and players. And so when you don't have this ritual and the routine and the habit, it really, it can throw you off. Yeah, there's a rigidity to, you know, wake up, go to practice, you know, get your nap, do all those things. And, and all right. of a sudden, you know, you're going 100 miles an hour in a car and all of a sudden they slam on the brakes, you take off your skates and you're not sure when you're going to put them back on. It's a weird feeling for anyone, let alone a professional athlete who's used to that rigidity, no doubt about it. Um, oh, as, yeah. a, as a guy who played at a high level um, and you've been in the coaching game for a long time now, you played in the USHL, you played at the University of Denver. Right four great years there uh, you played in the coast and um, you know how did you how did you get hooked up with this group with with Elaine Vigneault and this coaching staff uh, to be the skills coach for the Flyers I know you work uh, with uh, with uh, some other teams as well but uh, how did how did this come to yeah. fruition for you well yeah I was a I did consulting for about five years with the Sabres and I, you know I, I actually Seth Jones is one of my big guys I work with all summer um, so it's kind of funny you mentioned him but um I've worked with Seth for, for years and I've known him since he was a young kid. So, but I was very fortunate to be honest with you. Last June, I got a call from my buddy who is a skills coach with the New York Rangers, Mark Siaccio. And he said, Hey, you know, AV took the Flyers job, whatever it was like in May sometime a month ago before. And he goes, he's looking for a skills guy and he recommended me. So I got a call and it was an unknown number. I usually don't answer it, you know, but I had a premonition that maybe it was him and, <laughs> And so I answered the call and it was a week before the draft in Vancouver. And I was actually going out there because uh, Nolan Foot, a player I coached in Denver here and his dad, Adam Foot, obviously played one, a couple cups with the avalanche. Um, so we were all going out to Vancouver to be with him for the draft. And so I told AV, you know, I'm going to be out in Vancouver. And we met him and Yosi and I met at the hotel the team was or the coaches were staying at. And we talked and, like literally what three or four days after the draft, the, the development camp was there. They flew me out to meet everyone and see and talk. And I met with Chuck and the staff and they offered me the job a week later. So like they did their due diligence, you know, calling a lot of the guys I work with. And, and so I was very fortunate, you know, I don't take anything for granted. I'm, I'm very honored and humbled that uh, part of it. And you know, what's funny is you learn so much because I, I came in and, you know, the first, and I don't mean it like nothing was bad. Everyone was great, but, the first couple of months, even for myself, was really a learning period and learning curve. And you have to gain the trust of the guys. And I hope I, you know, earned that. It seems like I have, but it wasn't easy at first. You got to, you got to really, um, you know, I opened up to the guys and, and asked them, you know, things I could help with. I wasn't trying to change anyone's game. You know, 
So there was a fine line, but I also think when, when you show that you respect the player and, and you're there to help them, whatever they need, it's to me, it really uh, helped filter, I think, a, a good relationship. And, 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 you know, whatever you do, you, you try to be 100% and really show care and the trust and really care about the players, you know, what, they, what they're going through because it's a grind. And um, so I think once I got to that point, it really helped me engage a little more and learn a little more. And, and so – and Lappy and Yozy and, and Dilly, all those guys have been really good with helping me and Vinny and AP just learning a lot because it was, it was a whole different world, you know. Uh, not that I haven't been a part of it, but I was never – involved in the depth that I was, you know, as I am with the Flyers now. And so it really, uh, it makes you hungry, man, because I love it and I'm enjoying every day of it and I can't wait to get back. Yeah. If you're doing what you love, you're not working a day in your life. It's, it's the dream and, and, and the situation yeah. with this team and, and just, you know, by proxy being around that coaching staff, you'll learn a ton as well. Um, let me ask you about one of the players you worked a lot with this year, unfortunately hasn't been able to skate a shift and that's Nolan Patrick. Right. But an elitely, an elite skilled player, number two overall pick, would have been the number one had he not dealt with injuries in his draft year. Um, but he, he's a guy dealing with the migraine issues. I'm not going to ask you about that because you're not a doctor, but talk about his skills and getting to work with him oh, so much. I mean, you and I have talked about yeah. it in the press box and, and down at the, at the building. I mean, just it's yeah, watching him stride and, and the hands and everything is, is something to behold. Everything he does is so effortless and – like you don't really recognize until you're out there. And like, I've obviously been fortunate to work with, you know, this summer, last summer I worked with Crosby and a lot of those guys up in Vail, Eichel and, you know, McKinnon and all those guys. And I mean, his skill level is, is unbelievable. It is like that tier, that high tier level. Like it is, it's smooth, it's efficient, it's fluent, it's concise. Like he's just, he's got a cerebral way of doing things. Like he, he you know, he's, a, he's very smart. People don't realize he's a smart hockey player. He's got a good stick. And, but to watch him do like our skill sets and, and, you know, there, we had good days and bad days, you know, obviously with what he's experienced and it's, it's hard, but I'll tell you what, he always worked and, and until like he couldn't go anymore, he wouldn't. So he, we, um, you know, we really, you know, built a good relationship because I spent a lot of time with him. We've gone out to dinner a few times. We love sushi. We go to double knot all the time. So not all the time, but we've been there a lot, put it that way. He goes there like three, four, five times a week, but I, I, I've been with him a couple of times and it's an amazing place, but he, so I think, you know, the trust there and just uh, he feels like not just him, but, you know, you learned how to talk to the guys and relate to the guys and understand. And, and one thing I've been fortunate enough, I can work with guys his age for 23 years now, you know, doing a, a long time. So like that age group, you know, I've really been close with in, in the last 10 years that skill development sides really come in, especially with the guys that are like 25 and under right now on the team. Like they've grown up with skills coaches. So there's a, there's a feeling of, um, you know, comfort level. You know what I mean with that? But, but I'll tell you what, like, if Nolan comes back, whether it's this year or next season, um, he, he's going to add so much. And hopefully Oscar, you know, is healthy and back too. Um, but, but his skill level is, as you said, he would have been the number one pick. But it, it's so, – I, I don't even know why I work with him. He could teach me stuff, you know what I mean? That's how good he is. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> he's a rare breed, man. They're, they're, they don't make any yeah. guys like that with that kind of skill level and hockey IQ as well. He catches pucks in tight, like on his backhand, and it gets off his stick, top shelf, like his pucks in his feet. Like there's never any panic either with his game. You know what I mean? Like you see guys who, you know, aren't as skilled as him. I mean, they're obviously good players in the NHL, but like just the way he does things, it's, it's really, it's almost like a Picasso, you know, like the way he can handle the puck and do things. It's, and it's really, uh, it's beautiful to watch. And it's fun because he challenges me to, you know, challenge him, which is fun as a skills coach because you're always trying to, 
you don't want to be too fancy. You know, I see so many things online about all this fancy stuff and blah, blah, blah. Like it's fine and good, but you got to be teaching something with a purpose and, and that can be transferable to game situations. And so a lot of stuff I do, especially unless a guy's going to be out a long time, it's really about getting those guys ready. And so that like one guy, for example, you know, he came back and we really worked on first was conditioning. We couldn't do any puck stuff with Scott Lawton. And then when we got his hands back and then we combined it all into getting his cardio back. So one day I remember if we get earlier this year, I was doing a drill with him. I think Chuck was watching and I literally was going to have a heart attack because I'm trying to skate with these guys up and down the ice. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and I'm like becoming a back checker, lost tape checking me. Like, so, you know, it's fun in a way too. You get a great workout, but, um, so I think those type of things you try to translate and also make it fun in game situational stuff, because I think that's the key. There's certain skills and there's times like when Nate Thompson just came, he texted me one day, we came out and all we worked on was some shooting stuff. But, and James and JVR really likes to work on you know, picking up pucks off the wall or stuff in front of the net. Like that's his specialty. So it's, it's fun to learn like that stuff about the guys and Travis and I have a lot of shooting, all different angles. Um, so it's really neat. Cooch, you know, like he and I work a lot now, um, and I know he does a lot of the guys, but like we, like we work on shootout stuff for shooting off the, you know, coming off his offside down to the slot. You watch, he does it all the time. He's, just, he's an amazing, like, you know, he's one of those leaders that him and G are really special to have on the team. And just uh, his, and you're right. I mean, he should absolutely win the trophy this year. If, if we ever get back and get the, you know what I mean? Was it the sulky, I believe. Right. Oh, so yeah. I think, uh, yeah, he is, he's a special player. And I think people really, understand that until you watch his game and break him down on video how good he is it's just it's scary yeah i, I always mention and i've mentioned this davy before that anytime he's juggling lines is there a line outside his door to play on the wing with sean couturier because <laughs> it's like <laughs> man put me on that dude's wing yeah you think you might you might go so much. 50. <laughs> yeah, well yeah at least a couple yeah. <laughs> maybe off the rump um you know you mentioned you know working with guys like nathan mckinnon you know out, out there in colorado and, and crosby and yeah and, and, and elite level players and, and that elite skill. What's the one thing that the disposition that all those guys have? Is it, is it like repeat the compete, do everything hard? Uh, what is the one thing that makes that, that level of players stick out to you? Because I, I think it's really because we get some kids that listen to the show and parents and that have kids playing. And, you know, to, to translate that information to them from an NHL skills coach, I think is really important for them to hear. Oh, you know, First of all, people understand, they, they, yes, these guys are naturally talented, but I don't know if people watch like the Jordan video, the, the last dance, like the, this documentary series. One thing all these great players have is their work ethic is second to none. Like you cannot get that good and stay that good and be that successful in the NHL or any sport or anything you do in life without the work ethic. And they're like, I'll give you an example. And I was saying like with Coots, how we, he'll do a shot, the same shot in different angles for like 30 minutes after practice, you know? Um, Crosby and, and it's fun to learn from him because I first time I really worked with them just I'll tell you a story we were in Vail and, and we were getting ready to um guys did the first day I think it was and we were a lot of the guys were getting off the ice Sydney came over and he's like hey Breach can you pass me some pucks we can do I'm like so we're working the small area shooting so guys are getting off this next thing I know literally eight to ten guys saw what he was doing came back on and stayed on the ice with them like and that to me woke yep. me up to realize how great he is and just what he does and it's little things, right? It's an angle from the dot. It's an angle or it's a shot from the goal line coming off. Like things you ne might never even get an opportunity in a game, but he works on it because that one or two times when it does, and they have the vision to do that stuff, right? And obviously we help them a little, they got coaches, but it's the player, man. They're, they're, it's all about the player. They're so gifted and talented. 
and, and guys like McKinnon, they work hard. They don't just, they're not out there just to, to, to be on the ice, you know, they're out there for a purpose, they're out there for a reason and they're out there to get better. And, and so many people just take it for granted, but I mean, I'm telling you, like they, they're, they're not that good for, they're, they're, there's a reason they're, they're so good is because of their work ethic. And, and we see that on the, in our team with the guys with, with, and it starts with G and Coots and, and, you know, um, all those guys, just the way they are. And, and, and you even see like Moose, you know, he's a, he's a mentor and he's been an amazing goalie this year for, with, with Carter. To see him work with Cartsy and Dilly does a great job with both those guys. Just So even the goalie side, which is a little different, but it's just, you know, the camaraderie, the work ethic of those guys and, and the rituals. I don't know if you ever get out there, you see Hart, Hartsy, how his rituals before he even gets take shots. Like they oh, all yeah. have routines mm-hmm. and rituals. And to me, that's what's making him special. Like even JVR, the stuff he does before he gets on the ice, after the ice. Um, and so it's it's really neat to see. But I think that's one thing I've noticed more than anything, that the professionalism of in the weight room, off the ice, on the ice, uh, whether it's skill session, normal practice, it's a continuous wanting to get better all the time. And they're hungry for it. Do you know what I mean? They're hungry for it. Yeah, um, and, and so it, they know their game better than anyone, right? So they know that right. hey, if I'm in this situation in a game, if I know that I've worked on something, I feel confident in that situation whatever it might be right. picking like you mentioned JVR picking pucks off a wall you know he, he wasn't feeling like that was the strongest part so hey I'll go work on it and to have that awareness right. to be truthful with yourself is is another thing to be truthful with yourself that hey I need to work on this little aspect of my game whether it's picking pucks off the wall pucks in tight on a backhand whatever it might be and we've all seen the video of right. a guy like Ryan O'Reilly and the work he does you know really you know on the basically at, at the top of the crease shelfing pucks at forehand right. backhand with that insane looking stick. Uh, those are the things <laughs> player, you got to be willing to do that and be truthful with yourself too. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, you don't put the, you don't get any better with me. You don't put the hours in it. And, and obviously I think you identify, you know, as your career goes on and you know, younger guys are different stages of what they work on. But as you get older, I think you identify your strengths more and guys will really, people always say you got to work on your weaknesses. I, I don't disagree with that, but if you don't work on your strengths, make them elite strengths. And so you, they stand out in what separates you of why you should be on the power player, why you should be on the top six boards, whatever it might be. You know what I mean? So and work on those strengths, make them incredibly elite. And, and that's only going to help you and the team. So I think you see guys doing that, right? Like what's Joe Pavalski famous for? What is he? Oh, I mean, obviously he's a great leader. Yeah. But, right. And if you ever watched him, uh, it's Sick. unreal. Like he, you can shoot 50 pucks. You might miss one or two of them. Like it is insane. And JVR is pretty good like that too. Um, but like, it's, it's amazing. Right. Or, or Brad Hall, when he was in his day, where was his place in the house? Right. Sort of like Ovi, the shooting position all yeah. the time. Trigger. Adam Oates was an amazing passer. Right. It's just different like areas. These guys, um, you know, do. And like, to, to, even to look back, you know, I know it's the game was a little different when Gretzky and when you played, they're amazing. Right. Just the vision, the smarts, the, the buying ice. Like we all talk about, created space now. I mean, Gretzky, you know, he created that pretty much like just the way how he delayed guys and created, you know, second and third ways of offense and played from behind the net. It's, it's really neat to see how it translates to today's game because it is a little different. I think you see, you know, four lines of guys that can skate now more than ever. Even when I was growing up playing, it was just it's so different the way guys can skate and the shape they're in is amazing. Like the bodies and just the sticks too, the technology and the ability to shoot the puck and, and release the puck. I actually don't, it's hard for me sometimes. I try to use some of these new sticks, man. It's like, it whips off my stick. I'm like, man, I know I can't shoot that well, you know, but it's like, it jumps <laughs> off your stick and it's, it's amazing, the technology. And then these guys grow up with it. So their skill set is like that. And it just enhances their game. And so it's, they're obviously already gifted and talented, but 
the technology definitely helps all players and, and, and I think every sport, you know, things have changed. So it's really great to see Yeah, it's, it is amazing. You see like I coach in high school and, you know, tier one teams around here, you see some kids and I go, and this kid doesn't have the high, the best skills in the world, but he can bomb it because that, that freaking right. stick. And I'm going, man, imagine having that when you're growing up, you know, <laughs> imagine that when you're at the university of Denver, whipping it with one of those uh, twigs that weighs like uh, a couple ounces, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I had cohos or torsos that weighed, you know, uh, or, or Christian brother sticks, whatever they were like, you know, pretty heavy sticks. You could freaking go to jail for hitting someone. With oh, it was a two by four with a curve. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So no, it was kind of funny, but yeah, no, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and, and I just, like, I just love to see like, even, you know, when you, when you pass like G pucks, the puck, how he can shoot the puck. It's amazing how, you know, and people don't understand how good of a passer he is too. Like his vision on the ice is amazing, but his, like his ability to release the puck and, and be on that offside on the power play. And I know he moved around over this year, but you see how comfortable he is and what he can do with the, with, with you know, the puck in those areas. It's really special to see. Yeah, when he's got that full full uh, kind of uh, view of the the offensive zone on a power play on the half ball, um, he is extremely dangerous. The hockey IQ just kicks to another level. And, man, I really appreciate this, man. It was a lot of fun talking to you. I, I hope, uh, you know, I'm sure that the, the people listening got a lot out of it as well. And we're hoping that you, everybody, coaching staff, and everybody's back real soon. It looks like we're certainly trending in that direction. And you, like every player and coach that I've talked to, all have that same feeling of unfinished business, man. Best of luck with the run. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time here on Flyers Daily. Yeah, my, my pleasure, man. Be safe. And we're looking forward to seeing uh, everyone get back to the skating and playing some hockey soon. So take care, man. Fascinating conversation with Flyers skills coach Angelo Ricci. One of the things about the pandemic and, and dealing with the pause um, in season or when the league and, and the game was supposed to still be on the ice and the fact that it's not has allowed us to have a lot of those kind of conversations that normally in a season we would not be able to have. So special thanks to Angelo. He's a great guy. Get a chance to chat with him every once in a while uh, down at games in the press box and kind of pick his brain a little bit. Uh, He's a guy that uh, played at a high level at the University of Denver and um, is still uh, in the game, and it's a good thing he's in the game because he's got a lot to offer, as you heard there in that interview. So uh, thanks to Angelo. Uh, for joining us here on Flyers Daily. Flyers Daily brought to you by Yingling Beer. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. And do yourself a favor, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer, it's a lager. Yingling, traditional lager. So Wednesday, we'll be back with another episode of Flyers Daily. In the meantime, everybody stay healthy, everybody stay safe, especially with everything going on in our world right now. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time on Flyers Daily. Thanks for listening.